Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity. HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Hello, happy Friday, St. Louis. It's Hancock and Kelly. Can you believe we're less than a week away from opening day? I can't wait. I can't wait. I am so excited. What's your favorite part? Uh, man, I mean, all of it. Just the the whole pomp and circumstance. Downtown is flooded with people. There's going to be 40,000 plus in the stands. There'll be another tens of thousands of people outside the stadium. It's going to be great. Wrong answer. It's the Clydesdales. Yeah, they're fine. The Clydesdales are the best part of opening day. Well, I mean, it's nice. When they bring them out there on a track and we all stand up and we I get like a chance and look the at the those players beautiful animals. Yeah, right. I mean, the I players mean. are coming in on those uh, flatbed trucks out there and uh, introduced one at a time. The fans are cheering for them. And, yeah, I mean, the Clydesdales are nice. I'll give you that. No, it's the best part. And they even brought them down to opening <laughs> of City. Now, um, if you are going to the game, you need to come to Kegs and Eggs. If you're not going to the game, you need to come to Kegs and Eggs. Oh, let me tell you, we got the tent out there. You got uh, you got Budweiser. It's, uh, it's presented by Bud, Budweiser. Right, right. Uh, you got the uh, effing vodka out there. What? What'd you just say? The effing vodka is going to be out. There. Come on, John. And, what's wrong with and, vodka? Why don't you like uh, it? No, it's the effing vodka. <laughs> and then uh, Cardinal greats, celebrities are going to be there. 10 o'clock for the VIP seats, uh, tickets, 11 o'clock for general admission. You can get your tickets at KMOX.com slash events for kegs and eggs. It will sell out, so get there now. I need to get my tickets. I hope I'm going to be down there for a little keg and an and egg, and uh, I'm looking forward to the start opening day and the most important part, I was talking the Clydesdale to, show. talking to the guys outside. Apparently, they've got some new food. In the stadium. Yeah, Shaq's got this uh, new restaurant called Big Chicken, and when we were out there talking— I said to Stu McMillan, yeah. Stuart, uh, I said, hey, Stu, what, how was the big chicken? The he big goes, chicken. Uh, he says, that restaurant was great. And you said, well, what do they serve? And I was like, really, John? The it's, name of the restaurant's Big Chicken. What is a big chicken? I mean, is it is it like I don't a know. chicken what's nugget a, on what's steroids? A, what's a Chick-fil-A? Well, it's a sandwich, Michael. Well, then there you go. A so, big chicken so sounds Shaq like it's going to. has gonna... got the big chicken. Yeah. Well, there ain't nothing about is... Shaq that's small. How big is the chicken at the big chicken? It's going to be bigger than the other ones because it's Shaq-esque uh-huh. and Shaq is outside. Is this a fried chicken or is it a broth? I don't know. We'll have to find a, out. You'll you have to get it? your tickets to opening day or some other game. Hmm. Actually, I think you have tickets to another game. Who? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, but the chicken. And so I, I like to eat the bratwurst and the hot dogs. Do you? The, well, that's the that's Do you like the ball. kosher dog? That's my favorite. The yeah, kosher I mean, dog. I like the, the dog. It's in the bun there. Do you get then, the onions on it? Yes. The kraut? Yeah, no. No, just the onions. I do too. Onion and uh, mustard. Of course, mustard. Mustard. And no ketchup on a hot dog. No, who would you do should such not a thing? put ketchup on a hot it's dog? It's miserable. It's sacrilegious. It is. And I it really is. is mustard maybe the perfect condiment? Oh, yes. Yeah. I made a sandwich yesterday uh-huh. loaded with mustard. Yeah. It was... Ugh. I'm not a ketchup fan, are you? It depends. You do ketchup on your fries? I will take ketchup on the... Now, I'm not a squirt the ketchup on top of the fry. You put it on the side. I put it on the side. You dip the fry. That's right. how you do it. These people that squirt ketchup all over the fry. How do you pick up the French fry when it's full of ketchup? I don't like having ketchup all over my yeah. fingers. Yeah, and ketchup doesn't taste good to me. I don't understand. Now, I know people who like go to fancy restaurants and order steaks and... They get a, they get ketchup. You know, originally ketchup was invented. Did you know about this? No, you're going to tell me this. Uh, huh? to, uh, as a paint. 
<laughs> what? Because it usually gets all over your shirt? No, you paint the walls red and uh, use the ketchup. It's, oh, uh, come on. <laughs> you just make up too much sugar and ketchup for me. Yeah, I just never sugar take in everything, Michael. Yeah, there is sugar in everything. But I like, there's something about mustard. It may be the most perfect condiment. I put it on everything. Are you a Dijon kind of guy? I can do any kind of mustard. I don't really? mind what, what I refer to as baby mustard, which is just like original mustard, uh-huh. you know, like just yellow mustard, French I guess. French is mustard. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I like the Dijon's. Yeah, I like the stuff. Sometimes they have that like grain inside it's of too it. Too bad or... about Dijon. He's on the injured list. Yeah, he, he pulled his groin during the WBC. Did no, he? No, that was Adam. Oh, right. Dijon has got back problems. Got a back problem. Yeah, but uh, what about the mustards that's hit. got like uh, you know like chunks of stuff in it? You okay with that? What? Like grain? Like you know like sometimes they have chunks? these stone grain mustard type chunks? things. There's chunks of little want, beads of I little mustard seed in there. I don't want chunks of my mustard. What, 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 I've never seen such a thing. Sure you have. It's fancy mustard. You chunks know, it comes the out there. Yeah, there's little, I don't know what you'd call I them. I am anti-mustard chunk. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity. HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120. KMOX. It's stone grain mustard is what I was talking oh, about. It's got you, a little man. chunk in yeah, it. You'd like it. It's all good stuff. No chunks in the mustard. Gary is joining us on The Voice of St. Louis. Hello, Gary. Welcome to KMOX. You know, I can't believe you guys. I heard you slamming ketchup. Man, I couldn't get my headset on fast enough. What's wrong with you? You put that all over your fries, dip your fingers in there, get a little ketchup on your fingers. Really? Nasty. Pull them fries out. Oh, yeah. Nasty. Have you ever had a horseshoe? Yes, you know, a horseshoe up in uh, Springfield, Illinois. There you go. That's right. We got them up here, baby. And you take that, and I just drown that horseshoe and catch them. What is a a horseshoe? Tell them what a horseshoe is. Well, it's a hamburger. You got bread, a hamburger. You got your cheese on it. It's like a hamburger with no bun. And then they put beautiful cheese sauce all over it. Your French fries are all over top of that. And then a lot of people eat it like that, but I drown it in ketchup just like a burger. And and now do you use a knife and a fork with that, right? You're not picking up. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. No, 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 you don't pick it up. And that's kind of specific to Springfield, Illinois, isn't it, Gary? Yes, yes, and there and what differentiates people is some. Everybody has their sauce. Darcy's uh, makes a really great sauce, but there are plenty of restaurants up there that make good horseshoes, and everybody's got their own cheese sauce and what they think is the best, and uh, mm-hmm. that really. And a buddy of mine, we used to just eat them normal, and then a guy drowned it in ketchup one day, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "You ever tried it?" And uh, Oh, yeah. Okay, Gary. Listen, that's nasty. Now, let me ask you this, Gary. Are you one of these guys who will go out for a steak and rather than getting, you know, just eating the meat, you'll, you'll put ketchup on your steak? No. No way. No, 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 now, what no, am I, no. This there is you, Gary. No, and, you know, you, you just don't do that. drowns everything no, else in no. ketchup. The horseshoe is not a steak. Well, well, mustard, yes, that's true. And mustard is like, well, it's like licking dirt. So <laughs> I, I just kind of, yeah, I can't, you know, but I do like, but. One time we were kids, we're taking a trip across country. My mom had no ketchup, no uh, Miracle Whip. So she goes, you're going to have to eat mustard. So I'll do like bologna, cheese on a sandwich, and oh, then yeah. I do that mustard. Then I'll do that, different kinds of mustard. But, uh, you you know, hear the way he said bologna? Way, but... He calls it bologna. Yeah. Well, he's, yeah, he's from Illinois. So <laughs> yeah. here's the rule. Here's the rule on yeah. that. Here's Just the rule. Try it. If you're having a hot dog or ham or red meat, bologna, for example, <laughs> mustard. Yeah. Right. If you're having beef or turkey, mayonnaise. That's the rule. Beef. Miracle Whip. Most I don't beef. do mayonnaise. You put. Oh. Yeah. Now you're getting and into you guys, that line. What do you What do you guys eat on your hot dog? Uh, Just mustard. mustard. And onions. And see, I. You know what? I've been a baby on trying the onions on it. I like. 
sweet onions, but I I have to put relish, relish. mustard, and ketchup on it. That's what you I do. You put ketchup on, on the hot dog. Oh God, yeah. Most people they they go. Oh, we never do that. Oh yeah, most people I've ever seen do that. My wife won't. She'll do straight mustard, but I do ketchup on the hot dog too. Your wife sounds like a really you're like right a, thinking kind of Gary, person. Gary, you're like an ever opening flower for us. You've been calling <laughs> here for, for so many years, and we're just continually learning more and more about Gary. We love Gary, and in fact, Hi, guys. give that man a cigar. Hey now, Gary, <laughs> and a bottle of ketchup. Drive, uh, drive, yeah, bottle of ketchup. Yeah, <laughs> drive safe out there, partner. Yes, guys. Hey, see you later. Have a good day. All right. You All too. right. That's Gary the Trust Guy, regular caller to the Hancock and Kelly Show. John, Great this guy. is our normally our political segment. Let's do it. And so uh, guess who's consuming all the headlines again this week? Yeah. Oh, it would be none other than the 45th president of the United States. And you know that's by design. Yeah. I mean, he he welcomes the attention. And it almost, well, it doesn't matter what the attention is. And what you've seen in light of all these legal woes that he has is that his numbers have gone up, and he's beating Ron DeSantis in the last poll I saw, forty-seven to or forty-one to twenty-seven, something like that. And uh, you know, it's it's he's a remarkable person. Is well, he does definitely sucks up all the oxygen in a room. Yesterday, he was on his whatever his social media platform is using some of the most vile, uh, descriptive language that we've seen. He called the uh, prosecutor in New York an animal. Uh, he made reference to some anti-Semitic tropes. It's just typical of this man. It's amazing to me that so many people inside the Republican Party are willing to put up with just what seems like childish behavior. Well, he's gotten away with it. And dangerous behavior, he's too. Gotten away. Well, he's, yeah, and he, he, but he's gotten away with it, and it has served him fairly well, although you can certainly make the argument that after the 2016 election, which he won, uh, Republicans took it in the chops in 2018, lost mm-hmm. control of the Congress. And in 2020, we, in what should have been a really good cycle, uh, we barely, well, we lost the White House again. And in uh, 2022, when we should have taken the House and the Senate, we barely took the House. And, you know, a lot of the Trump-endorsed Senate candidates got defeated and, and Democrats actually gained a seat in the U.S. Senate in 2022. And a lot of people lay that at the feet of Donald Trump. Many people say that this focus on all the legal issues that the president's had for, well, his entire life, but especially since the last six or seven years that he's become president are actually going to help him in his quest to become the Republican nominee, John. Uh, he's targeting the prosecutor out of New York. Uh, you have some issues with the New York complaint. Yeah, I mean, I think the New York case is... Look, the Federal Elections Commission governs campaign finance. They have not not taken any action on this. The Justice Department had this entire fact set for six years and took no action on it. Cyrus Vance, who was the prosecutor in New York before uh, Eric Adams, uh, decided that that wasn't a worthy case to bring to trial. I don't think you're going to win. I mean, we've already seen the John Edwards case, where which was essentially the same case. He had paid off money to his mistress and was was indicted for campaign finance violations and was found not guilty. So there's a precedent for this. So I think this case is bogus. I think it is political. And I think it is a mistake uh, for Eric Adams to proceed. And maybe what's happening 
is that Eric Adams is thinking differently about this now, and perhaps he's been spoken Well, let's with. remember, the only person who's come out saying that he's going to be arrested is Donald Trump. Eric Adams has said nothing. Now, obviously, there's a grand jury that's coming to its conclusion, so people are anticipating it, but there's been no comments uh, to the to that sort coming from the prosecutor in New York. Where there has been some interesting developments, John, is related to the documents case yes. and the special prosecutor who this week went through uh, two levels of the court system to compel one of Donald Trump's lawyers to show up and testify, saying that uh, they have evidence that uh, that the uh, lawyer would be a part of a continuation of a crime. Yeah, so uh, sacrosanct in American jurisprudence is the idea of attorney-client privilege, that conversations that you have with your attorney – uh, are between you and your attorney, and they can't be admissible as evidence in court. Right. You can sit down with your attorney and tell them the truth. Anything. Right. Anything. Exactly. And that's a principle in America that is very difficult to pierce. One of the ways to pierce it is what they call the crime-fraud exception, that if the attorney-client are part of a criminal act, then uh, that privilege is gone. And that's essentially what the district court ruled. And then the appellate court, three-judge panel, agreed unanimously that the attorney had to be compelled to testify. Not just testify, but turn over documents, recorded recordings, and transcripts of conversations that would be in his possession. And that is a big deal. And uh, that case, of all the cases that Donald Trump is dealing with, I, I don't see a path for him to be indicted uh, for January 6th. I, I've just seen no linkage between Donald Trump coordinating what happened that day. Encouraging it, maybe, uh, but coordinating it, I've seen no evidence. Uh, the Georgia thing, yeah, that's a state statute there that they're that they're fighting over. But, but this document case, I've always considered to be the most significant of all. We still don't know why he was keeping those documents and why... He was so Under a subpoena, he refused to turn them and, over. And not turning them yeah. over. We don't know why. Exactly. Uh, but the fact that he had them and now apparently was conspiring with his lawyer or lying to his lawyer uh, right. about the compliance. And his lawyer showed up in court this morning. This morning, yeah. Uh, he was compelled to show up this morning, so I would expect we're going to get some more leakage this out of that This is one hearing. to keep an eye on. Yeah. This is one to keep an eye on. Hey, uh, Missouri, you know me. I like to call us backwards. We seem to do everything last. It's not only fashion. It seems to be common sense as well. Uh, we've got almost every state around us that's legalized internet betting. Um, sports gaming. Some sports gaming. So many people are driving across the river on a Friday or a Saturday, John to place their wager on the NCAA tournament. Uh, there seems to be consensus that something needs to be done in Missouri, yet we just kind of continue to m m run to stand still. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's a little unfair. Uh, it, I do think we're going to pass the sports gaming bill this cycle. What's been the bugaboo in all of this is that we've got these tens of thousands of unregulated um, video machines and convenience stores all throughout the state. Some of these places are basically mini casinos. They put a dozen of these machines up in a building, and and they're unregulated. They are taxed, but we don't know where if the taxes are being paid. It's a cash transaction business. And uh, in, in, in an effort to regulate them uh, has been attached in the past to the sports gaming bill. Uh, they're going to attempt to do that again in the state Senate. 
and we'll see what happens. But I do think sports gaming is going to pass this year. Hey, we've got to step aside for news at the top of the hour. We'll dip into some more politics at the stop of the top of the nine o'clock hour. We're also going to talk about this TikTok hearing that took place yesterday. We'll speak a little about a little baseball, a little golf. It's going to be a fun hour with Hancock and Kelly. Can't wait. KMOX, stick around. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Dude, it's March 24th already. It is. Wow. April's just right around the corner. It Opening is. day's almost here. Yes. It's Hancock and Kelly. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. We're talking about the opening day, talking about hot dogs in the last segment. And Lloyd joins us. Lloyd, welcome to KMOX. Hi, how are you today? Great. Good, What's on your uh, mind, Lloyd? Oh, I just wanted to tell you uh, uh, things to use on hamburgers and hot dogs and hand right. sandwiches and bologna. Right. Peanut butter. What? What? Peanut butter. What's wrong with you, Lloyd? Lloyd. Oh, you got to try it. He's no, don't. peanut butter on his hot dog. What are you, Elvis? What? Oh, no, no. I, I don't know if Elvis did it or not, but it, it's great. You got to try it once. I, uh, I'll i take that I, under advisement, Lloyd. <laughs> and, hey, Lloyd, have a great weekend, and uh, uh, have a have a hot dog with peanut butter on it. I, I'll, well, I'll, I'll think about you guys, too. <laughs> right, that sounds absolutely it. horrid. Well, it, you know, it, don't knock it until you try it. I oh, think okay. Is what Lloyd is trying. So you're going to you're gonna try it? No. I'll wait, wait for your report yeah, before no. I give it a oh, try. So speaking of that, yeah. So last Monday night, uh-huh. I brought in the Straub's, Straub's chicken, chicken salad. salad. Got cracking. And, and I served it and I left it on the counter out there. Uh-huh. And uh, much to my amazement, Shawn Michael and the, and the rest of them, they didn't eat it all. Right. So I spent a lot of money on that stuff. So I popped the lid on, I take it home. Right. And I got to thinking, ooh. How long can you leave the chicken salad out oh, without being refrigerated? Yeah. And I came in Tuesday morning here to do the show with Ranji, filling uh-huh. in for Amy, and I, I was asking around. I said, how long can you leave this chicken salad? And so I got answers ranging from two hours uh-huh. to three days. Oh, <laughs> and I'm in the two-hour camp. Yeah. Well, it was. I had it out for four hours. Really? So I thought, ooh, you know, because I was planning on having that it? for lunch when I got, no. I called Georgianne. Uh-huh. I said, sweetheart, there's chicken salad in the refrigerator. <laughs> 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 and she was fine. So yeah. when I got home, I had it for lunch. So Whoa, you, you got to be careful there, brother. I can't believe you just told that story on the radio. <laughs> well, you know. No, that's, that's something you tell a son-in-law. Hey, huh, son, get yourself <laughs> yeah, a chicken right. sandwich. Let me know what you think of it. <laughs> well, she was the only one that could eat it and test it. So You're horrible, brother. Well, no, I, th- I figured it was fine. You didn't give her a heads up? Like, yeah, honey, it sat oh, out no, for a she couple knew. hours. She knew. She knew it. It said, uh, yeah. Hey, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, King Charles, it's hard to uh, get used to saying that because it's used to calling him. In the history of England, how can there only be three King Charles? What makes you think Charles would have been such a huge name over in England? Well, I mean, look at them. They're everywhere. They're George. There was lots Lots of Georges. Lots of Georges. Lots of Henrys. Louis. Yeah, uh, that's in France. Oh, that was France. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have a Louis in uh, Great Britain? I don't know, Mike. Not to, not to my Well, knowledge. you seem to want to pontificate on how, you know. But how you would come... think there would be more than three Charleses in the history of the King of England. That's yeah. all I'm saying. So King Charles was there supposed to go to France today, yeah. uh, where he was going to have a state visit with um, President Macron. Macron. <laughs> oh, wee, wee, wee. <laughs> and uh, that's been canceled, John, because of all the rioting that's taking place in France. 
over moving the retirement age from 62 <laughs> to 64. Yeah. How about you this? You know, we all grew up uh, trying to aspire to the, what was it, the French work ethic. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was the Protestant. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, France is not exactly known for its uh, diligence at, uh, at work or at war, for that matter. And what's your uh, what's your take on raising the age by two years? I mean, it's really me- meeting significant backlash oh, yeah. in France. It doesn't look like this is going to be contained for a while. Well, uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting example because their retirement system is going to collapse, and that's Macron's point that making this relatively minor adjustment for younger workers. And it, it, we should be clear that Macron's left of center. He's yeah. a, he's a liberal. Yeah, but he's trying to save their retirement system there. And, you know, we're going to get to that place in this country eventually. And we've already raised the retirement age in the U.S. And it's probably going to happen Was it 65, 66? Well, 67 now to get your full Social Security benefit. Yeah. And and I suspect that's going to happen again in this country. When they've raised it in the past, John, do they put like a, um, not a sunset, but in 20 years we're going to start. Yeah. And it's never, it never, the reforms never affect people that are retired or near retirement. Right. And that's the case also in France. But, but it's, it's created this backlash there. I suspect, you know, the politics of, of reforming social security in this country has long been considered the third rail. Yeah. Yeah. You don't touch it. Hey, we're going to hop into TikTok here in a minute, but just something that's going on down in Jefferson City that's of interest to me. It, yeah. It's well documented that in Missouri we have the loosest gun laws in the country. Right. We have this uh, constitutional carry, which is just absolutely insane. All this is being done by members of your party who are saying that, you know, the Second Amendment is sacrosanct. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me, in the midst of this, right now we're seeing reforms as it relates to the First Amendment. What can be in school libraries? What can be in libraries in general? This week, Representative Cody Smith, who's the budget chair for the Republicans in the House, uh, zeroed out all the state funding for public libraries. John Hancock, why is it that Republicans want to defend the Second Amendment to the nth degree but want to put limitations on the first? Well, it's specific to Cody Smith. What he's talking about is sexually explicit material in public in public school the libraries. The Bible. Bible's full of sexually uh, explicit stuff. Well, one one book, The Song of Solomon. So should we, should we ban uh, it? No. Why, uh, oh, wait a minute, though. Well, how, it, what? Why would we allow the Bible to stand with sexually explicit stuff, but not some other book like, uh, you know, something that was written by Maya Angelou? Uh, apples and oranges, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Hardly. You, yeah, apples and oranges. Hardly. So, <clears throat> in, well, the point he's making is, you know, there are there community standards. We have community standards as it relates to pornography, for example. And the Supreme Court has ruled that that's an appropriate limitation on the First Amendment. And I think that's the standard that uh, Representative Smith is trying to bring to public school libraries uh, that cater to children uh, from kindergarten to sixth grade. So help me understand, because books aren't killing anybody, but guns are killing everybody. uh, lots of people. Gun crimes are on the rise throughout the country, and especially here in Missouri. Um, there's no limitations on any gun uh, situation coming through our legislature, yet we've got this heavy scrutiny of what's going on with books. I don't know of anybody who's dying from books. I know that there's some kids who were supposed to be reading books not far from here who faced uh, someone who came in with an illegal weapon. Well, of course, there are limitations on the Second Amendment. You can't have a fully automatic weapon. 
you can't use a weapon in the commission of a crime. And so that that right that is in our Constitution has its limitations, as does the First Amendment have its limitations, as does any right uh, have its limitations. So uh, one of the uh, major topics right now as it relates to the First Amendment is TikTok. Now, I'm not on TikTok, are you? No. Uh, but lots of young people, almost 150 million Americans are on TikTok, over a billion people worldwide. It's owned by the Chinese. Uh, there was a hearing yesterday up in front of the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C., and something you rarely see happened yesterday, John Hancock. What's that? Both the Democrats and the Republicans were on the same side. Well, we're going to visit about that hearing. We're going to visit about the future of TikTok state governments all across the country, including our own, are banning its use from any state government uh, computers or phones. And we're going to visit with CBS News reporter Linda Kenyon. She was on hand for that hearing yesterday. That's next on KMOX. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Do you agree that the Chinese government has persecuted the Uyghur population? Well, it's deeply concerning to hear about all accounts of human rights abuse. My role here is to explain what our platform does on this. It's a pretty easy question. Do you agree that the Chinese government has persecuted the Uyghur population? Congressman, I'm here to describe TikTok and what we do as a platform. And as All a right. platform, we allow our users to freely express All their right. views on this issue Earlier and any today, other issue that matters to them. Well, you didn't answer the question. That's just a sample of the grilling that the CEO of TikTok uh, took yesterday on Capitol Hill from both sides of the aisle. I'm not even going to try to attempt to butcher his name, but I'll leave that to CBS reporter Linda Kenyon, who joins us from Washington, D.C. Linda, thanks so much for joining us here in KMOX. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, quite a day yesterday. The uh, CEO of TikTok took quite a beating from both sides of the aisle, didn't he? Yeah, you know, it's very unusual to see any kind of bipartisanship up on Capitol Hill these days. But uh, if one thing brought them together, it was this uh, hearing against uh, TikTok. The TikTok CEO, Shozi Chu, tried to assure the members of Congress that TikTok is not spying on Americans, that it is not manipulating content, that uh, he, you know, essentially tried to do his best to assuage concerns from parents regarding content. Uh, you know, it it just fell flat, and uh, every single member of that committee uh, had something, uh, you know, to say about how it fell flat and how uh, they were not convinced that TikTok was not spying on Americans or that it was being as a, used as a vehicle on the part of the Chinese government as a, you know, kind of Trojan horse, if you will, for for uh, Chinese influence or for spying or yeah. both. Yeah, and, and so you're looking at a, an issue here now that has elevated to the level of a national security concern. Congress is looking at uh, perhaps banning TikTok. Is is that where this is headed uh, from a public policy standpoint? You know, the word ban was being used a lot in that hearing yesterday. Uh, this morning, uh, we spoke uh, to an FCC commissioner who said he favors a ban uh, the Biden administration has alerted the Chinese that uh, TikTok, which is owned by the Chinese parent company ByteDance, uh, needs to uh, be divested of the Chinese government. It should be uh, sold. The Chinese government says, no way, no how. You can't tell us what to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, and meanwhile, in Congress, they're talking about a bipartisan bill to ban it. 
I will say that it makes the 150 million American users of TikTok quite upset. And the majority of those users are young people who uh, use TikTok uh, for, uh, you know, not just their, their entertainment, but they get a lot of their information through TikTok. So there were two major discussions yesterday. One was a complete ban where the government would just outlaw uh, TikTok being used. The other is for the TikTok being sold from its parent company. How does that remedy the problem? Because the company would still have ties to China, would it not? Well, the uh, chairman of of, uh, TikTok tried to uh, convince members of Congress, and I will say he did not succeed, in saying there is no Chinese influence over this. Uh, the media platform, uh, that uh, ByteDance, which is a Chinese-owned company, has never come to me and said, I need the following information on uh, on Americans. And uh, he also said, look, we've already set up a company on American soil staffed by American personnel that will handle all American uh, transactions or communications, I should say, on TikTok. So uh, this is going to be removed completely from any possibility or even the appearance of uh, the possibility of Chinese influence. How would you go? Let's let's say Congress passes a ban. The president signs it. We're banning TikTok. How logistically do you go about eradicating that from people's devices? Well, you know, some of its most enthusiastic uh, users are the very same young people who can find ways to get to, you know, TikTok or anything else that they want to get to on the Internet. There are always backdoor ways and very savvy users can find them. So, yeah, this is uh, going to turn out to be a many-headed hydra, and they're not sure what they're going to be able to do about that, and not just TikTok, by the way. One of the things that the chairman uh, said yesterday, the CEO, uh, was, uh, look, you know, our social media company isn't collecting any more data than any other social media company. We're not doing anything different. And, oh, by the way, we're not collecting data. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a, a two-sided argument right now. But Congress, Congress was not happy. And I think it is safe to say that the person who had the worst job in, in Washington yesterday was the chairman and CEO of TikTok, Shozi Chu. Linda Kenyon is our guest, CBS News reporter. She was on hand for the hearing, the TikTok hearing yesterday. Uh, let's step back and take a broader picture, Linda. So we're going at TikTok because it's Chinese-owned. We're concerned about China having access to our data. Yet this country does multiple billions of dollars of business with China every year. And there's a growing sentiment, I think, among many on the left and the right, that we need to divest much more of U.S. uh, economic activity from China. Is this a precursor, this TikTok issue, to something that might be much bigger and broader? Well, you know, there has been a stepped-up discussion about severing uh, either more, even more ties with China, given the war in Ukraine and major concerns that China is aligning itself with Russia and that it may actually be discussing the possibility of providing 
lethal weapons to Russia in its war against Ukraine. Now, we know that the Chinese premier was in Moscow last, uh, well, earlier this week, meeting with Russian President Putin. And uh, we know that he had billed that visit as a kind of peacemaking mission. But we didn't see much discussion about peacemaking. We didn't see much discussion at all, quite frankly, because a lot of it was was not uh, released to the public. But just the optics of that meeting uh, made it very concerning to the United States. And adding that concern to the concern over China's influence on uh, social media and uh, China's influence on America's businesses, it's become a very tangled web that's getting even tighter. CBS reporter Linda Kingian has been our guest. Thanks so much for joining us, Linda. And John, this is uh, that you hit on what I think is the key element. Nearly every uh, piece of device that we're talking on right now that's communicating to the world and the, the devices that people are listening to us on have some components that are made in China. Um, it sure seems to me we are headed towards some type of uh, corporate showdown, if you will, on whether or not uh, American companies should be doing business or creating any of our products in China. Yeah, and, and of course, it's of course China is such an integral part of our economic activity globally right now. Uh, untangling the U.S. from China is going to be uh, very tricky. And very difficult in a lot of ways. It may cause some strife uh, here domestically among, you know, with our own economy. Yeah, and with all of our corporations, most of them who've outsourced a lot of their production and manufacturing to China. Uh, but, I, you know, you watch President Xi uh, in uh, Russia this week with President Putin. It sure seems like we're dividing the old lines of the East and the West again. And I don't see a remedy that's not going to involve some type of severing our ties with China. Well, it's an interesting world out there. We need to step aside. Michael Kelly, John Hancock, it's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Podcasting from the underlying three lawyers. Get Jim.com Studios. KMOX. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Well, it's Hancock and Kelly Overload Friday. You've got us till 10 o'clock. Then we're joining the show with Chris Ranji. And guess who the guest host is today? It's not John Hancock. It's not. It's Charlie Brennan. Charlie Brennan back in Studio B here at the Voice of St. Louis. We will duck out for a little bit, play a little snooker, and join the Dave Glover Show at 3 o'clock so you can hear that. On Sunday mornings, you can wake up with us. Uh, turn on Channel 2 here in St. Louis, Fox 2 in St. Louis at 830 for Hancock and Kelly, the television show, John. So you're not happy about these uh, rule changes in baseball? Well, oh, I like a lot of the rule changes. No, okay. I like the no, pitch clock. I, I do, I do okay. like the pitch clock. Yeah. Um, I don't like the you have to throw to three batters. Did they keep that one? Yeah. Uh, I don't like that one. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand the motives behind the shift, uh, limiting the shift. And so obviously baseball this year has got the new rule where the infield has to keep its feet on the dirt. Yep. They can't do the shift. Um in a sport that's being dominated by analytics, um, it seems to me that you ought to be able to play your players wherever you want. I get that, that what's winning the day are home runs and strikeouts. That seems to be all baseball is anymore. But if everybody wants to line all their players up between first and second base, you're a Major League Baseball player. Hit the ball to left field. You're guaranteed a double, maybe a triple, um, because there's going to be nobody there. Now... Because we've banded in the infield, now they're playing the outfield shift, which seems to me, same thing. Quit trying to hit the ball to right field when you can just slice it down in the left field where there's nobody there. Well, I mean, that's a fair point. But 
I do think eliminating the shift on the infield is going to open up the game, and I think you're going to see more singles and more doubles. Uh, you're certainly going to see more stolen bases uh, the way this thing is configured now between the pitch clock and the pitcher can only throw over two times now per at-bat to uh, try and pick off a base runner. And and the bases are bigger, so it's a you know slightly shorter distance between first and second and between second and third base because of the larger bases. All of that should enhance the running game, and I think that's good for baseball. Yeah, well, baseball definitely has a problem, right? And the problem is, is young people aren't watching it. I would consider you and I to be core baseball fans. You're probably hardcore. You probably watch most of the games. You read all the articles. I, I watch half the games. Yeah. I read some of the articles occasionally, but I'm, I'm I'm a baseball fan. And one of the things I like about baseball is you come in with trivia and you say, Kelly, let me ask you this question. And it sometimes references baseball over the last hundred years. They didn't have these goofy rules in over the last hundred years. And I understand they're trying to make baseball sexier to young people, but I think they could do it without changing a lot of the game. The pitch clock, perfect way yep. to speed the game up for young people. But the shift, I don't get it. It seems to me the shift would have more, of, because they're playing the shift, if they would just get off this analytics thing, would actually create more scoring. Well, no. It's, it's really not. This. So the analytics is not driving the swings of the batters. I mean, the batters could adjust if they wanted to, to, to a shift. And, and when they, baseball is a game of adjustments and, you know, a, a young player adjusts to, uh, is adjusted to by pitchers. You take a guy like Jordan Walker, Cardinals, great spring training. It's cooled off a little bit of late, you know, pitchers are going to be, begin to understand what his strengths and weaknesses are, and they're going to start pitching to his weaknesses, and he'll have to adjust to that. That's how baseball kind of ebbs and flows. Getting rid of the shift, though, is I think trying to de-emphasize the home run strikeout conundrum that baseball had become, where, you know, the, the three outcomes they talk about, you walk, you strike out, or you hit a home run. I think the fans would like to see more action, more on the bases, first to third. But on, explain on to me there. how banning the shift's going to make that happen. Because it's going to open up holes. A hard hit ground ball. But there was a giant hole when they were all on one side of the <laughs> I field. Understand. But uh, your natural your natural swing is is to pull the ball. I don't that's see the logic. Just about runs. everybody. It's not easy to hit the ball the other way. I mean, you. Gotta, oh come on! It's not. Come on! These guys can hit a hundred mile an hour baseball, but they can't figure out how to push it down the sideline. Well, I mean, they, you got. You've got. Of course, wait. they can. You've got to wait till the ball gets deep over the plate. You got. You know, your natural swing <laughs> is going to pull the ball. Yeah. And uh, these hard hit ground balls to second by left handed uh, uh, batters have been outs now for the last decade. Uh, they're going to be base hits now, and you're going to have more runners on base, and that's more action, and it creates more tension in the game. I think all of that is good for baseball. I actually think the game being a little quicker paced. Uh, a lot more action on the base pass. I think it's going to be good for the game. I really do. So I watched the WBC, really enjoyed listening to John Schmoltz, uh, Smoltz, however you say yeah. his name, uh, the Hall of Famer. Uh, but he had some interesting points. You know where he ended his career? Right here in St. Louis. That's exactly right. And uh, But he had some very interesting points. One of the things he predicted is he expects uh, stolen bases to go up almost double Should. in Major League Baseball yeah. this year. Yeah, I think that's right. And... You know, I mean, if you're of a certain vintage, you remember the Cardinals in the 80s, Whitey Ball, and between Vince Coleman, who stole 100 bases, and Ozzie Smith, uh, Willie McGee, the Cardinals had, uh, you know, running was such an intimate, integral part of the game 
for the for the running Redbirds and Whitey Ball. And I think you're going to see that again. And this ball club that we're bringing out of Jupiter, Florida, to start next week on Thursday for opening day, you look at the speed on this team. Tommy Edmond, Tyler O'Neill, these guys can run. Goldschmidt uh, has stolen 20 bases before in Major League Baseball. I mean, he can run. Uh, and this, this team, Jordan Walker, very quick runner. Uh, Brendan Donovan can run. I mean, we've got a lot of speed on this team. And I think the Cardinals have already stolen like 20 bases in spring training, you're going to see a lot more stolen bases. And why that became analytic, analytic, analytics told you that the stolen base was a bad idea because you're going to lose a base runner X percent of the time and so forth. And so they got away from it. I think you're going to see it reemerge. He's John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly. The NCAA tournament's going on right now. Some exciting games, some more tonight, yeah. all this weekend. So who do you have winning this thing? I heard, I'm already out. I think I had Purdue going the whole way. Oh, that's no good. Yeah, they lost in the first round. I've got Gonzaga. Do you really? I, do. I they, really like they, that player they have, the uh, t- Tooney. Yeah, and yeah. They, almost, they almost lost that thing last night. That was a great game last it night. It was. It was. Uh, boy, it's been fabulous, and... The best part of the NCAA tournament for me, John Hancock, is it means the Masters is right around the country. We're just a couple of, uh, right around the corner. We're just a couple of weeks away. We're going to talk golf after this on KMOX. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Yesterday, waiting for the NCAA tournament to start, John, there I you uh, were. sat on my cu- you couch were on the and couch. I. I threw on the Golf Channel. He put the Golf Channel on. And I witnessed one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in live sport. What? Um, I'm going to tell the Golf Channel? And to join me to talk about it is Dan Reardon, KMOX Golf Reporter. Hello, Mr. Reardon. How are you, sir? Good morning, gentlemen. An incredible thing yesterday. Uh, They're playing match play right now, which is um, not your traditional regular tournament style, uh, and Rory McIlroy on the 18th hole yesterday hit a golf ball 349 yards in the air, landed it on the green on a par four, rolled it up to within three feet of the cup, a total of a 375-foot yard drive, but 350 of it in the air. It was probably one of the top 10 golf shots of all time. Well, sir, that was impressive, but, you know, quite honestly, Michael, it's not unusual in today's world. Uh, the, the length that these players have uh, at all levels is amazing. I'll, I'll just give you a side-by-side comparison. I was out with my golf team, my Sociohai High golf team, yesterday at Forest Park on a cold, damp day, and one of my juniors, Hank Fusco, hit a drive on the second hole at Redbud. No roll to it at all. It was 310. So, I mean, it's, it's part of the game these days. And as far as Rory is concerned, Roy said he, he he took this driver out of a box last Friday. He said he hit two shots with it. He said, "Here we go." So I mean, it's it's just like I said, it's part of the game. I think John Rahm drew uh, uh, in a drive that uh, reached uh, a par four as well on the fifth hole yesterday. But it, but four feet is impressive. Yeah, and so this leads us to the quagmire that golf finds itself in. Technology's been working great on the the equipment as well as the ball, and a lot of these historic golf courses, including Augusta National, could find themselves outdated uh, and, and no longer of, of value. So golf is starting to consider rolling back technology, in particular for the pros as it relates to the golf ball. And it's important to make that, that caveat that you threw in the, uh, at the end, for the pros. 
The way the USGA and the RNA have structured this rule is it's a voluntary rule, meaning any organization can agree to it or not agree to it. And, uh, and if, if implemented in 2026, the plan is to take the ball back in terms of distance roughly 10 to 15 yards. Now, I was very disappointed this week to see a quote attributed to Jordan Speed, and I don't know if he actually made it or not, but he said if they roll it back on the PGA Tour, in other words, if the Tour agrees to implement this rule, he says he's 95% certain he would leave the Tour and join the LIV Tour. That disappoints me because, you know, you talk about the golf courses. This year they backed up the 13th tee at Augusta National 50 yards. It's now playing 550 yards, and that changes the playing characteristics of that hole, which is perhaps the most famous hole in all of American golf. Um, something needs to be done. Finally, the RNA and the USGA stepped in and said, we will do it. You decide whether you want to use it. So uh, that's got to be hard for a pro golfer to adjust with suddenly they've been practicing with a ball their entire life that does one thing, and now all of a sudden their clubs are going to have a different yardage. It, it will be an adjustment. There's no question about that. But I'll go back to Rory. After his round yesterday, he was asked about the RNA and USGA rule, and he said he's in favor of it. He said he thinks it'll bring more well-rounded players into competition. You know, the current phrase on tour is bomb and gouge. Hit it as far as you can and gouge it out of wherever it ends up. Uh, Rory said that he thinks, you know, maybe the game is better off if, if we play it a little more like it used to be played. You know, you guys are talking about the shift in baseball and things like that. That's what we're trying to do in golf is try to preserve the game the way it's always been intended to be played. And, you know, the one, the one other thing that technology has not done for all these players in the game, it still hasn't given them a way to get the ball in the hole any better. You know, it, it still comes down to can you make putts in that little four-and-a-quarter-inch hole. And right now you can go out and board, buy a four or $500 putter, and you can go to the claw grip, and you can do everything imaginable. But putting has not appreciably improved through technology for a long, long time. Well, that's an excellent point. Dan Reardon, KMOX golf correspondent, is our guest. Last question, Dan, before we let you go. Uh, the Masters just around the corner. Uh, Tiger Woods is looks like he's going to be playing there. Uh, what do you see for this amazing tournament coming up? Well, everybody will talk about Tiger, and they'll talk about the big three. You know, Tiger has not played since he played in L.A. The question is not whether he can get around the golf course, although I guess it will be a much tougher walk for him than it was at, at uh, Riviera. But the question is, can he play with that kind of tournament rust and be a factor in this championship? There's no question he has the knowledge to win at Augusta. There's probably no question that he still has enough talent to win at Augusta. The question is, can he be sharp enough to win at Augusta? And then the big three will be John Rob, Scotty Scheffler, and Rory McIlroy. And I can tell you, I can picture Rory being in the interview room with him last year on Sunday night. Rory was hoping the tournament was going to begin the next day. He thinks he has killed the demons that have haunted him at the Masters. Every year he has one round that cost, has cost him the Masters. He thinks that that is in his past, and certainly the performance of the match play, which, by the way, this is the last year of the match play, certainly the performance of the match play is going to promote that attitude in his mind even more so. He's Dan Reardon. He's KMOX golf reporter. We'll talk to him when he's down there in Augusta here in a couple of weeks. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy it, gentlemen.
Yeah, I, I, I'm obsessed with golf. I and, see that. Yeah, and I'm excited that Tiger's going to be back. You sent me that. Uh, you sent me that. Uh, John, I was of, watching of it the, live, right. and you know, I and think I'm about some at of the that ball soaring through the air. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there it's there go. Yeah. off the tee, and it's soaring through the air. And I'm thinking, Michael has just sent me a picture of a hole in one, <laughs> because <clears throat> here we go. I have a hole in one. Yeah, on a pitch and, and putt through the windmill, clown mouth, and the whole ninety deal. yard. There, there it was. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was the fall of 1986, Michael, and I'm mm-hmm. on the course there in northern New Jersey. Right. And there's the ball soaring through the air, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and it lands, and it's rolling, and it's bouncing, and it's bouncing, and it's rolling, and then I can see it no more. Yeah. And I turn to my because it went through the clown there, mouth. Frank McLaughlin, who was standing right there, and uh-huh. Frank says, "Hancock." That's a hole in one. And I said, no. He said, yes. And it was. And I thought maybe you were commemorating that fine memory for me. Well, you know, one of the customs of a hole in one is you have to buy the drinks. I did. So, John, you and I have never gotten to celebrate your hole in one. (laughs) I think today (laughs) we should find ourselves, you know, a nice little restaurant and get ourselves a good little burger. 32 years ago. A cocktail and uh we should celebrate your hole in one, in. and you can pick up the tab. Count me in. It's, I think it is my day to pick up the tab. All right, so it's about I'm, time. I'm all in. Yeah, so I'm we'll be in. heading to the Snooker Hall here in a little bit. We're going to join uh, Chris Ranji and, and uh, well, the Amy Marks score show, but she's not here. She's gone. So listen to who they got pinch hitting. Charlie Brennan. How about that? Now, Amy Marks scores is starting to rival Michael Kelly in terms of vacation time. Yeah. I mean, it's impressive. Well, we young single people who aren't yeah. attached with children and stuff, we've figured it out. We, so we're, like, trying to live Charlie Brennan's when are life you, when are you out of town while next? we're still working. When are you out of town? I go right before the, the Masters. Yeah, I'll be down right after the Masters. Right after I, the Masters. I'm going to play some golf with some of my friends. Uh-huh. I'll miss you for a Friday. I know you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, he's, he's gone quite a bit, uh, folks. Uh, yeah, you you travel a little bit. I, I travel hardly at all. No, well, you're usually hanging out with your little granddaughter. I I am a little too. Unless she's going to be a year old next month. Can you believe that? I can't believe. Doesn't it. I feel like we just uh, had the the baby the other day. Uh, she's saying pa. She called me papa the other day. Really? She did. Is she calling everybody papa, papa, papa or no, is it only me, you? Me, I just want to make sure because sometimes babies papa, get words and yeah. No, she's got it down. Yeah, she and, loves her papa. And do you feed her? Uh, I do. Do I you mean, change her? I have uh, not changed her yet. Yeah. That's uh, a grandparent duty, isn't it? Or do you get just like, hey, honey, well, you pass it off to your daughter? Yeah. And uh, we're babysitting here in a couple of weeks, so I'm looking forward to that. Well, Michael Kelly, yes, we've sir. done it again. Yep. Well, I want to thank Drew, who's done a phenomenal job running the board for us today. Uh, Kyle's back in the behind the glass over here. Got his little cardinal. So it's not Kyle. Huh? Who is it? Oh, oh that's uh, Ethan. Oh, that Ethan. That's terrible of me. Come on, we got to go. Oh, we got to go. See you, bye.